Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. What's up, everybody, and welcome to episode 251 of the Talking Chop Podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland, recording a podcast we have never done before on this feed, and joining me to celebrate an MLDS victory in sweep fashion is the great Eric Cole. Eric, hello, and uh, welcome to the resistance slash change slash brave new world that we're in. It's bizarre. The Braves have played two playoff series and have not lost one, lost a game, period. I am. It is a weird and strange timeline, Brad, but I'm here for it. So, yeah, it's, today was a really good day. Yeah, uh, we all were anticipating some drama along the way. There really wasn't a ton. We'll get into a little bit of the unease early in this game. But eventually, of course, the Braves win in convincing fashion um, for their first trip to the NLCS since 2001. Uh, they threw somehow through four shutouts in five games, which is impossible, essentially. Yeah, um, that's yeah. They scored 24 runs, uh, which was more than enough. It wasn't like they just killed the ball the entire time, but they scored more than enough. They allowed five runs total in five games, which is tied for the second fewest through five games ever in the 100-plus year history of baseball postseasons. Uh, it all went very well. Let's just say that. We will dive in here, but broadly speaking, I'm going to let you uh, take a, a nice little lap here um, at the top, and we'll talk about his performance overall again later, but uh, one of your prospects, Kyle Wright, uh, was nails um, certainly had some uh, yeah. some tension early on, but overall, man, you can't ask for anything more than what Kyle Wright gave the Braves today. Yeah, it was kind of funny because you know those first like three innings, it was just like you know like just had a lot of base runners. I mean, it was a lot, kind of some silly dumb luck. The umpire wasn't particularly great today. Uh, some like low BABIP probability type things were happening to him. It wasn't anything was bad, but it just kind of felt shaky. And I think right around the fourth inning, I think, is when a lot of people start talking like, okay, this is when you need to have a short leash on right. And, like, I tended to agree with that. I was happy with let him go back out there for the fourth and, you know, see what he could do. You know, and if anything gets in trouble, just, you know, yank him for, you know, you know some for a long reliever or something. And he just didn't let anyone else on base. It was like 10 straight guys that he got out and, you know, all of a sudden it was six score, it was six scoreless innings and – then now you're like, wow, our bullpen's like going to have all this rest. And at that point, you know, the, the outcome was the outcome was still in slight doubt, but it was very slight because the Braves had kind of gone off at that point. So I was just kind of blown away. He he did a really good job bouncing back and kind of working through that that order again. It's something that, you know, early on in his career, something that I've been very critical of him to be for sure. And he's kind of figured things out and kind of seems to know what pitches he can go back to to get outs when he really needs to uh, rather than just kind of 
you know, trying to get too cute with, you know, locate, locating pitches that aren't working for him. Um, he, he was great. And, you know, the series was awesome. I mean, again, like I, if you told me going into the series that the, the, the starter that would perform the worst was Max Freed, <laughs> I would, I, I, I would, I would be genuinely concerned about the outcome of the series, but you know, we talked, we've talked a lot about, about it, about this Marlins team. It's just that they weren't really good on paper, and I just didn't think that their offense was ever going to be able to keep up with ours. I didn't think our starting pitching was going to be this good, but I did think the bullpen was going to be good, and I didn't think that the you could they could hold the offense down for any meaningful length of time, uh, especially if their starters weren't going deep into games, which you know kind of worked out that didn't, especially today. So overall, just a really really good series. You know, a dominant performance from top to bottom. It didn't look like the, you know, at the beginning of the series, it didn't look like, you know, by the numbers that the Marlins even belonged in the same field as the Braves in the playoffs and the Braves played like it. And that's a, that's a big thing for a team that sometimes played down to its competition in the past uh, has certainly been, you know, has underperformed or not met expectations in the past just as an organization. And, you know, the last three years have been really frustrating in the playoffs and to see them perform and perform well, particularly these young pitchers. I mean, Kyle Wright and Ian Anderson, I mean, they both made their postseason debuts this year and they have yet to give up an earned run. So, yeah, is, yeah. It, is that it's good? hard to give it's uh, Yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of hard. To, <laughs> I mean, what, what do you say about those guys? You know, like if they're going to pitch like that, then this team can legitimately give any team a run for their money in the playoffs among the teams that are left. Anyone. Yeah. Uh, and you'll appreciate this. I'm going to, I'm going to break in now. We are recording pretty much right after the game. Um, so I'm, I have Twitter, I have Twitter up. Uh, a couple things. First, there's a fantastic photo of Marcelo Zuna taking a selfie in front of the entire team, which is very on brand. Love Marcelo Zuna, our guy, Marcel. And uh, second, uh, Ronald Acuna just, tweet, yeah, just, just tweeted right uh, a Dame Lillard uh, waving to the crowd video, uh, taking his victory lap over the Marlins. I love Ronald Acuna. But, uh, Scott and I talked about this yesterday a little bit as well, just the fact that we, we, love, we love Ronnie. Um, yeah. That's just fantastic. I have to mention that because it's just so on brand, and I love I love the swag, and I love I love it all. Um, other things I want to mention real quickly here before we dive in, uh, and this is uh, courtesy of Grant McCauley who just tweeted this as well. The Braves team ERA in the series team wide zero point nine one across forty nine innings of so five games forty nine innings zero point nine one ERA. Uh, and this is a team that obviously pitched well in the regular season, especially in the bullpen, but uh, no one could have predicted that kind of performance, even against the shaky Marlins lineup yeah. that you mentioned. Sub-1 ERA for five games uh, total and all that stuff. It's just it's just outrageous. So, a lot of fun. I enjoy I enjoy pitching. So, all, all things are good. Eric, let's... Uh, well, I'm still I'm still just watching the Ron, Ron Acuna tweet over and over again. Uh, shouts to Ronnie. <laughs> yeah, I, I actually switched tabs. He's the best. What's cracking me up? Yeah. yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, let's dive in here to the game itself, and we'll wrap things up at the end as we as we often do on the podcast. Blow by blow. Uh, first inning. It was a five pitch inning for Sixto Sanchez, who was not good in this game. But in the first inning, uh, it was kind of a reminder of what baseball weirdness looks like. Marcelo Zuna hits a four hundred and eight foot fly ball with a hundred five mile mile an hour exit velocity and a nine ten. Yes, nine ten. Expected batting average, and it's somehow caught on the warning track. Um, and when that happens, it's like, okay, maybe one of those days. Uh, and then in the, in the bottom half, 
right, uh, gives up back-to-back singles, but he uh, got out of that. He threw 20, 21 pitches, um, but it was just kind of one of those moments where the Ozuna home run does not go out of the ballpark. And look, I said that on purpose, the Ozuna home run, because that ball was gone in like 27 ballparks, I think. Like yeah, that ball yeah. should have just been gone. Yeah, just just on its own, let alone like, you know, like if he pulls it a little bit more or, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, it was it was silly, but what are you going to do? You don't often see 408-foot flyouts. Uh, I'll just say that. But no damage done. It's still 0-0. We go to the second. And this is the this is where I think all of Braves Twitter and the fan base had their uh, biggest freak out of the day. So in the top of the second, Travis Arno leads off with a single to stay extremely hot. He was man, he's ridiculous. By the way, Travis Arno in the series, I believe, went six for ten with three walks. Yeah, just ridiculous. Um anyway, a four pitch he, walk he, that, he's your series MVP if he doesn't get it. <laughs> yeah, I mean if, if, if that existed, yeah, he would win. Uh yeah. for sure. He was the he was the number one most valuable guy in the series. Um, after that, though, a four pitch walk, which never happens by Ozzy, just couldn't throw a strike, and then a five pitch walk for Dansby. So that's bases loaded, nobody out in the second inning. Um, that should be a run expectancy of more than one run. You should really get two or more. Uh, but yeah. sort of on cue, bases loaded, nobody out for Adam Duvall, and he strikes out on four pitches. We love Adam Duvall. Uh, that was a horrible. Played appearance by Adam, by Adam Duvall. Uh, Sanchez not, could not. He did not look in the series at all. No, he like, did not. Um, and Sanchez could not throw a strike. And you strike out on four pitches, chasing. Like I don't, I don't think he threw a strike in that in that whole play appearance, which is crazy. Uh, there was one. Yeah, maybe there, maybe yeah, there one. was one. Yeah, but yeah. You, you cannot you cannot do that there. It goes without saying. Um, but it wasn't like he got squeezed or just swung through something. It was just the the approach was bad. Everything was bad. I don't want to pile on Adam Duvall, but that was a frustrating play appearance. And that was the biggest one. From there, Marquecas smokes the ball, actually, to left field, but it was a great play by, by Dickerson to rob him. That ball had an 880 expected batting average, so uh, that ball is uh, a hit yeah. almost 90% of the time. Uh, so he was robbed there. Uh, and people were wondering about this. It didn't matter, so I'm not going to spend too much time on it, but what was your opinion on Darno not scoring? Because I thought it was fine in the moment, frankly, because I think he might have got thrown out. He's not that fast, and it was pretty shallow. But there were people that kind of dug in on both sides of this like maybe he should say he should have been uh tagged up and all that stuff where did you sort of fall on that in retrospect now uh i i i'm fine with him not tagging up i think that you know like making that out at home would be really bad i mean you're, you're kind of asking a catcher to make a, a kind of a 50 50 choice in that situation because you know balls hit hard you know it was maybe you yeah, I mean, like, it's not like he was, like, sitting there on third kind of waiting for, you know, the ball to hit his glove so he could tag up and run. You know what I mean? Like, I, I, I am fine with that him not making that decision. You know, I am a fan of aggressive base running, so if he had decided to go and even if he had gotten called out, like, I wouldn't have killed him for it. But, like, there was a real – there was a very real possibility that he got thrown, got thrown out there. So, you know, it was fine. It wasn't like – you know, I didn't feel that strongly about it simply because I just – like, based on how the inning had gone – I yeah. just didn't think that six six toe had anything. Yeah, he to did offer. not. Saw, he, I, yeah, go ahead. He, he didn't look great. It's well, just, just, I, just uh, I just I just didn't think much of him at all. Like in terms no. of what he so he's a very talented guy, and uh, I was a little bit afraid of what he might be able to do in this game. But uh, cl- pretty clearly, early on, he didn't he didn't have it in this spot. So yes, it was frustrating. I only made a note of it just because of how big it felt in the moment that they that they didn't score a run there because after that Riley grounds out and by the way he hit the ball really hard as well uh, 105 mile an hour rocket on the ground that was uh, that was uh, ended up in an out it was just an excruciating sequence and it was very um, frustrating just under any circumstances but especially in a zero zero game and uh, you know 
it didn't matter, but I'm just putting myself back in that moment and uh, just getting the uh, the tense feeling a bit about the way the rest of the game was going to go. But you're right to point out that Sanchez was not good, and it felt like they had him a little bit, um, and that proved to obviously be the case as we continued from there. Um, right in the bottom half of the second, got squeezed, I think, pretty clearly on a, on a clear strike that should have been... Uh, should have got a strike call against Chisholm. That ended up being a ball, being ball four. But uh, Chisholm gets to third base later in the uh, later in the inning. But fortunately, Wright gets back to back ground outs and he gets out of it and a strikeout. Yeah, he just pitched well. Um, but even then, again, this is another another inning in which he had to get out of some trouble. That was not one of the biggest trouble spots. But uh, zero zero after two was both frustrating and also good, if that makes sense. Like, because the Braves faded base runners in both innings, and yet they probably should have scored themselves in the second and the first with Marcel. So it's like, it probably should have been like 2-1 to one Braves, or like 3-1 to one Braves after the first two innings, and it was 0-0. Zero, zero. It was kind of strange. Yeah, it was kind of, it, when you kind of think about it, I mean, I, I was thinking about this as the game's gone on. I'm like, this, like, the Braves should be up by like nine runs at least by now. You know what I mean? I, again, like, you know, not to spoil the ending for anybody, but... You know, it's kind of a situation where I was just like, you know, like this never felt very close to me. I mean, there's definitely some like early game like things. I mean, that, it wasn't. It was not. It was not. It just didn't. I mean, like didn't even like even when it was zero zero. It's like you know the Braves are. It's like it's it's just going to happen at some point that they're going to do something with the Marlins. It just kind of felt sort of hapless and like you know they, they had to get lucky to get what they got and it's just kind of I don't know. It, was good. <laughs> it, just it just didn't feel great. It didn't feel feel great if I was a Marlins fan. I'm just like, yeah, this doesn't look. This doesn't seem like it's going to end well. No, going going back to our very live off the cuff feel on this podcast, I just laughed out loud at a tweet I got. Um, and this is uh, you'll appreciate this. This is very up your alley um, from someone uh, on Twitter. It's at crg something. Um, and it was if you, if you don't count this series, the Marlins never lost a playoff series. <laughs> So uh, yeah, I, all, I, of the, I, all, all of the all of the if you don't count things have uh, been great the last couple of days. And listen, we're, we're not. I think we've established this by now. But if you're a new listener, we are not a Homer podcast. We are not someone who's going to come out and like really you know pump the Braves up if they don't deserve it. All that stuff. We just felt like the Braves were much better than the Marlins, and there was every reason to believe that based on the evidence. And as a result, it it got a little bit silly with some of the discussion points. But uh, we're not usually like that. But in this spot, you, you you're right. The Braves were just better like markedly so on paper yep. and they played like it so i don't know yep. that's all i have on that but i thought i had i had to pass that uh that tweet along because i was very very much up your alley eric as someone who's uh posted similar things in the last couple days <laughs> yeah yeah yesterday <laughs> yesterday in particular uh I, I i had a couple angry dms from marlins fans i didn't realize there were that many passionate ones but you know here we are uh, uh yeah Honestly, I don't blame Marlins fans. Uh, Marlins, there are not that many of them. I have sympathy for uh, being a fan of a team that does not have many fans. Um, yeah. But it was uh, it was a rough one for the Marlins this week. Shouts to them, but yeah, no thanks. Um, yeah, I don't know. It was just kind of fun because the Marlins were talking so much. I can understand why Braves fans were like even more excited than they normally would be about this one because it was a division rival. And they beat a team that they enjoy beating in general. Yeah, all, was, all of all of the narrative stuff was kind of going Miami's way at different times nationally, and it was like a lot of this. Oh, these oh these these plucky Marlins, and it's like no, actually, not so much. And uh, I don't know. I yeah. can see why this at, was a little bit at, extra. At best, they got lucky after a lot of self-inflicted wounds that almost threatened the entire baseball season. Yeah, and, you know, I was going to mention like, that at one point, but I don't I don't want to I don't want I don't want to pile on. But I certainly think they got a they got a national pass for that in a way that was kind of interesting to monitor. Uh, I don't know. 
they were not supposed to make the playoffs, and they made the playoffs. There's some credit to be given for that, but they got they got lucky along the way, the run differential stuff, and they just ran their mouths quite a bit uh, in this yeah, series the, for a team that was not yeah, very good. So, yeah, the re- the regression monster was hungry, and they claimed them this in this series for sure. Yeah. Okay. Uh, on to the third inning, which was the inning in which the Braves broke it open, and uh, the game was never competitive from that point forward. Uh, Ronald Acuna leads it off with a walk. He's still second on the first pitch. There was a review there, but he was safe. A nice slide by Ronnie. And by the way, a bizarre umpiring situation again. Uh, there was an umpiring review after the initial review, so basically two reviews in the same play because they couldn't figure out the ball strike call on the pitch, which was very clearly a ball, but they had given him a strike at one point, and they went back and changed it. I don't know. It was bizarre. That whole thing was crazy. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, it was like, first of all, it was like a challenge from Mattingly that should have never happened because, like, I, I didn't, like, on some angles, I wasn't even sure that the guy made the tag at all. And, like, he was very clearly safe. So I don't know why Madeline was challenging him. It, was I guess desperation, it was desperation. Was... Yeah, I mean, it happened. I mean, coaches are, it happens in a lot of different sports. Like, you get the frustration challenge. That's what, that's what it felt like to me. Like, no way. It's got to, you know, it's kind of that Hail Mary kind of thing where, he looked, it looked kind of close. I'll say that. It looked to the naked eye the first time like it was kind of close. And then you watch the replay, it's like, no, nah, this is not close. He's he's safe. So I get it, but uh, it didn't benefit them. And then there was the ball strike situation, which didn't matter either. Fr- Freddie then singles, by the way. It was first and third, no out. And then the seal was broken by, by, Mar- by Mar- Marcelo Zuna with a first pitch single. Take a 1-0 lead. Uh, that's at the stage for, by the way, still no outs. Um, Travis Arnaud, the series hero, to double once again to score two more runs. And by the way, I don't know how he hit that ball. That ball was six feet off the ground. <laughs> yeah, and he's not a, like a tall guy either. No, nope. you know, like he kind of tomahawked that one. I, I think t- one of the one of the tracker Twitter accounts said like that was like the highest ball that he's like hit, got hit for a hit in his entire career. Uh, seemed like a good time to get it. But you yeah. know, um, and it just can't, once that happened, it, like it, it, it that it wasn't just a, that felt lucky that like all, that felt like the floodgates were opening a bit. There's um, it, it was just it was there's a it's a, a situation that comes sometimes in games where like you feel like oh wow they were lucky to get those three runs and in this particular situation I'm like I feel like there's more coming. It just kind of felt like that there was like blood in the water. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, it was certainly feeling like it was teetering a bit at that point in time, uh, with no, especially no outs and still in that inning. They actually could have probably done a little bit more damage. Uh, Albies hits a deep fly out to advance Darno, uh, a, a, a spry Travis Darno getting from second to third on that fly out, um, zooming yep, in the yep. way that he would as a catcher. And then uh, in a rare situation, the Braves executed with a man on third and no and one out. Because Danzig hits a run-of-the-mill sack fly, which inspired all kinds of jokes about sack flies, and those are those are allowed apparently for the Braves. So that was nice to see, and it's four nothing in the blink of an eye. So at that point, the Braves are huge favorites. It's not over by any means. Clearly, at four nothing in, in any game, but given their bullpen, given the Marlins lineup, all that stuff, they're pretty big favorites. The one thing you didn't want to see though in the bottom of the third was that Kyle Wright came out and hit the leadoff guy with a pitch. That is not what you want to see <laughs> up four nothing. A fast. Is, uh, a- a fast leadoff guy too. Burgundy yeah, man. a speedy leadoff guy. Great. One run isn't isn't a disaster there. Just adding adding base runners is not great. And then he gives up a sort of a flare single that was lucky at a one sixty expected batting average. But suddenly it's two men on and nobody out, which is again not what you want to see up for. But then back he bounces back again with two big strikeouts. Does walk Cooper and got a little bit lucky because with the, with the bases loaded and two out, uh, Chisholm hit a rocket. It was actually one hundred and five miles an hour. But Ozzy being the sure-handed defender that he is, makes a play and throws him out. And the 
you know, the threat was essentially uh, evaporated. And like you said before, I think at the very top of the podcast, that was kind of it. From that point forward, Kyle Wright was just dialed. He retired 10 in a row. He was just completely ridiculous after that point. And uh, I don't know I don't know what changed. I'm not, a pixie, I'm not a pitching expert. I was at work for part of this. But uh, everyone just seemed to agree that he, like, you know, got locked in. And it wasn't like he was terrible early on, but he went from... The first three innings were kind of a different guy than the last three. Part of that's luck and all that stuff, but he just pitched exceptionally well from basically that point forward. Yeah, I mean, he had those... You know, when he had his breaking balls and the changeup working, you know, the, I think he just started trusting those more rather than what we would see later on, like, you know, in earlier in his career where, like, he felt like he was things were getting away from him. He tried to go back to his fastball that even within that start he didn't have like complete and total command of. I mean, he was still throwing his fastball in the later innings, but he was just kind of, he was trusting those secondaries to do what they were supposed to do, you know, get ground outs, you know, make, get, get quick at bats and just, you know, trust the defense behind him. I listened, and, I listened to the, uh, to, to that point. I was listening to the radio broadcast on the way home from work. I think it was like in the sixth inning and not jokingly, Joe Simpson, uh, basically implied that Wright was like almost tinkering on the mound like working on his like working on his changeup like it was a simulated game, and I was like, is that, I mean, I, I guess that could be true, but it's, it's a playoff game. But uh, he was certainly like not joking around, saying that Wright was like almost working on things in the middle of a playoff game. And I'm not an expert; that seems crazy to me. But he was throwing. I looked at the, some of the pitch mix stuff, and he was throwing less fastballs as the game wore on. So maybe that maybe there's something to that. I, I doubt it in terms of that, but he did throw more changeups and more of the off-speed stuff. Well, I mean, I think it's just more like, you know, like trying to get the feel for the pitch that like, you know, he once he realized kind of what the pitch was doing. I mean, I mean, you see Soroka do this, too. Right. Like once he realizes like what his breaking balls or secondary stuff is doing that day, like you make adjustments and you can kind of, you know, like maybe like slightly alter grips and kind of, you know, change your approach a good bit. Uh, and again, just kind of realize, hey, wow, that they are not doing anything to this change up. My curveball is doing work, you know, down and out of the zone. You know, I need to start leaning on those things. And, like, those are I, – I think that's kind of more what he was talking about. I don't think he was, like, you know, like all of a sudden throwing a circle change or, you know. <laughs> no, yeah. Like, not, not, not that crazy. It's not anything like that. Yeah, but he was just, you know, I think he just kind of realized, hey, I don't need to, like, throw my fastball 60% of the time because, you know, they seem to be, you know, at least making some contact with it and kind of know when to swing at it. You know, if I can make them, you know, respect these off-speed pitches, the fastball is just better. So it you know once your approach changes for the positive, then you can really see some see it pay dividends, and that's kind of what happened. Is he made an adjustment? The Marlins didn't realize that either realize or couldn't do anything about it. That you know he that he knew how to kind of attack those guys, and he just like mowed ten guys down in a row. And that, I mean that that was the game. It was over. Yeah, essentially that's that's the case. Um, so at the end of uh, three, it was four nothing. The Braves got an extra run in the top of the fourth. When uh, Freddie rips a uh, what they called, I believe, a single. No, that was that was later. Yep. Uh, yeah, it, essentially, Ronald Acuna takes advantage of a bobble. That was what it was. It was a single. They called it an error, but Ronnie goes first to home on a single, which doesn't often happen. There was some help of an error, but he was flying in the way that he often does, and it's five nothing at that point in time. There was a little bit of doubt. I think you said this earlier as well, but um, about whether Wright would even start the fourth because of the way that he had to kind of work himself out of some jams in the first three innings. We both, I think, were on a record on Twitter saying that he should stay in, but I, I definitely said that he should have a short leash. Uh, I, I stand by that, but he didn't need any kind of leash because he didn't allow another base runner in the game. So even if he had a short leash, and he might have, I have no idea, because he never actually needed it. 
from that point forward. <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, I, I think they're I think they're even like warming up Grant Dayton just to kind of you as know. they should have been. Honestly, I mean, as yeah, funny as yeah, that sounds they, now, because because how good he was in the playoffs, especially like with a, with a first time starter, it wasn't like Wright was dominating the first three innings, uh, and you got you got to have guys ready to go. So you know, that kind of looks funny in retrospect now with the way he pitched. But I'm I'm definitely on board with some aggressiveness there, and if he had like walked the leadoff guy in the fourth, he might have come out. I mean, that's that, yeah. that might have happened. He just didn't, yeah. so it didn't matter. Yeah, it's just kind of one of those. Okay, like it might have been as simple as like, okay, the next base runner is when we take him out, and he just didn't do that. So never, it never <laughs> happened again, which is very nice. Nope. Um, yep. the the last insurance came in the came in the top of the fifth, uh, a one out double by Ozzy Albies, and then Dansby drives him in with a single to six nothing. And then Adam Duvall finally breaks out with a double off a left field wall to go up seven nothing. It was good to see Duvall get on the board. He was very bad um, so far in the playoffs. At that point, he was one of seventeen. Um, granted, that was a home run against the Reds, but um, I, I will I want to point this out. It was against a lefty, and that's different than most of what the bats were. That Duvall Duvall does not look good against right hand pitching at all in this series, which is not a big not a big surprise. He's not the good against righties. We knew that going in. We know that now. But uh, I think it was not a coincidence that his best uh, his his best plate appearance of the entire series was was against a left handed starter, basically, in that spot. <sighs> I don't know. We'll see what happens. Uh, people were starting people people were starting to call for Pache in left field, which I uh, wouldn't go that far just yet. But maybe yeah. <laughs> if we're replacing any I fielder, I know. <laughs> I know which one I want to replace. Yeah. But, I know. Anyway, I just want to point um, that out because Duval. It was good. It was basically my take was that it was good to see Duval do something because you you know you don't you don't want a guy just to get lost in his own head and he's been a hot and cold guy in the past he was so good in september um but he had cooled off considerably so just seeing him do something positive was uh, was a good thing yeah absolutely i mean like you know look these first two series like they've been really tough righties and they're like and they're righties that are almost matchup righties you know what i mean like you have bauer and castillo who are just were insane and then you have sixto who's really good you have uh, Pablo Lopez, who is good, and he's particularly good against righties. And then you have Alcantara, who, you know, again, like that's, that's a high ceiling. Right? I mean, it's 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 extra tough on a guy who has splits like Duval does, because the quality of the pitching has been so good. Yes, you know I mean, like, and and that's 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 been the tough part. Uh, I don't know what the answer to that going forward is. He has to make some adjustments, and you know, he has to be able to produce down there if he's going to be that batting that high in the lineup. But, you know, he's he's working some counts, too, and, you know, maybe he kind of figures things out and kind of can start seeing the ball a little better. But overall, I mean, it, there's always, I mean, especially in these short series, there's just going to be guys who just, like, underperform and it looks particularly bad. You know what I mean? Like, if yeah. you look at, like, Freddie's overall numbers in the series, like, he didn't look like the guy, like, the guy who's going to be very likely to be the NL MVP this year, right? But... You know, that's just kind of what happens. You know, he was just... also he was also very unlucky in the series. Yes, like he was. Freddie Freddie ended up slugging like sub two hundred in the series, which is crazy considering the way that he was putting the bat on the ball the entire series. So like it's small sample size stuff. Duvall didn't look good. Neither did, neither did Riley at times, for instance, um, in the series. But I don't know. I'm not taking too much of it. I just want to make sure that we pointed out that he did wake up a little bit because there was some there was some rumbling going yeah. on before that before Absolutely. the play appearances. Um, all right, let's take a break for a second, Eric, and then we'll go through uh, the rest of what was a breezy rest of the game, and then we'll look ahead a little bit to the next round. So hold on tight. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. 
Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. All right, Eric, uh, we will not go pitch for pitch from the last four innings because nothing really happened. Um couple things obviously we talked about right a ton but his final line was six innings three hits two walks and seven strikeouts um from there they go to aj mentor for the first time since game one of the wild card round he looked great in the seventh a breezy one two three with a strikeout um i want to point this out now i'm i have no idea why they did not go to pache in right field in the seventh marcakis made the third out of the top of the seventh which is a perfect spot even if you grant that marcakis is better than pache and everything else whatever you want to say even if you just follow the normal mindset of what the Braves are right now, that's the spot to go to Pacha. You're winning 7 nothing. Um, Marquecas just made the final out, so it's time to put Pacha in, and they, they, they didn't do that for whatever reason. It's a, it's a very small thing, and I'm not like going to make a huge deal out of it, but that that surprised me. Pacha did come in later on in the ninth, but uh, I think he should have came in before that. Yeah, uh, that's where I would have made the sub. Um, like I'm sure that the rationale that Snit has is that I am bringing in Pache as a batter, like as a pinch hitter. Only if the, there's a lefty on the mound against Marquecas. Well, even if that's not like, a pinch hitter, like he should just like as soon as he hits, put him on defense. Like you don't have to yeah, hit him. I, 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 I see. I think that he wanted to like make sure that like Marquecas was around. You know, I, I honestly think like it's only going to be like the ninth inning for Pache unless something weird happens, and that's kind of unfortunate just because. I kind of get again, it, but that, you're up. You're up. You're, you're up seven runs, man. Like <laughs> it's yep. time to play. It's time to play defense, and I. I'm sure you got this too in your mentions. People were asking me like why they wouldn't want to get Pache more playing time just for the future and make sure he's ready, all that stuff. I, I'm actually on that side. I'm just saying, even practically, like I would put in Pache earlier, but even in, even in this game, I just don't see why you wouldn't want him on defense in the seventh, in the seventh, eighth, and ninth when Marquecas literally batted last on the top of the seventh. That's the perfect spot to put him in there. Again, it doesn't matter, but just a little thing. Now. Well, see, I think that there's just the, the gap defensively that, like, you and I think that the gap between Pache and Marquecas defensively is quite large. And we saw a play made in the ninth inning. Yeah, that nice play. Marquecas would, not, Mar- 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 would not have made. Uh, and we, we, and we, and we play, may not have made. I'm not, I'm not, I won't say that he uh, won't have made it, but he may not have made it for sure. Uh, I, I would call it unlikely. I will be generous and, and say that play, he may not have made it. And there's a, a play last night that Marquecas is in for that 
you know, he should have made, and he kind of made up for it with a throw after the fact where, like, any other outfielder on the roster would have caught it. I think that there's a problem that, you know, Snitker and the guys the guys down there think that there isn't as much of a drop-off defensively, and so therefore there's just less of an impetus to make the move. And yeah, that's, I, where, that's where it gets a little frustrating. I get it. Uh, I am at least heartened to the fact that Snit has gone to Pache in every game on defense. So yep. at least he at least he understands that Pache is better. Um, yep. But you're you're right that maybe they don't they don't see the gap as 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 big. And also there's the, you know every time we talk about this, people ask me like why would they just put Pache in center? I'm not going to do this every single time, but it doesn't bother me that much. Yes, Pache is better than Ronnie in center probably, and then Ronnie is good and right. But like I I don't care enough. I think they probably just want to keep Acuna where he's going to be every game the rest of the way. So it doesn't really bother me much. I'm going to be far madder if that isn't the lineup in the line, like how it's lined up in 2021. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We'll but, save that but, for the offseason, uh, Eric. Save that for the offseason. Yeah, oh, brace yourselves. It'll like, happen. Step step one, I know what I don't want to happen. Um, and yeah, so we'll, but we'll get to that once we get there. Right now we have, uh, we're, we're still done. We're still working on the 2020 season. Yes, yes, we are. It's, it's nice. Uh, okay. In the eighth, nothing big here. Uh, the Braves did threaten in the eighth. They had walks from Riley and Freeman. Uh, Darno missed a home run by like a few feet. It was absolutely mashed that, foul. Yeah. I was about to say that, that, that had to have been 110 off the bat. Like he, he is, he is so dialed in at the moment. Um, that's worth pointing out. Also, this is something I didn't realize. It's sort of a non sequitur, but Acuna popped up in this inning on a 3-0 pitch. And I learned today, I had no idea, maybe you did, um, I saw this from Eno Saris of The Athletic, but the Braves were pretty easily the most aggressive team in baseball this year with a 3-0 count. They swung like 28% of the time, which may not seem like a lot. That's a lot with 3-0. Um, I don't have a takeaway from that. I just wanted to point it out because I saw it and I was like, wow, that's that's pretty interesting to me. Yeah, I mean, the, I mean it's a Bra- the Braves as a team, honestly, they walked a good bit, too, particularly Freddie and Ronnie up top. Um, <laughs> oddly enough, that, that ball was, like, shot straight into the air. Despite the fact that he got under it, Ronnie still hit that ball 105 miles an hour. Now, it was, like, straight in the air, so it, it didn't matter. Yeah. But, like, you don't see a lot of balls hit 105 miles an hour that, like, end up in the shallow outfield. It was kind of wild. Like, you know, he, he isn't that far off from, you know, being able to do real damage still, even though he's stinged up. Yeah, I just wanted to point that out and all that stuff. Um, Okay. So from there, it's the only thing that I want to mention are the bullpen decisions, which don't really matter. But uh, Jacob Webb pitched the eighth. He was good again, gave up a single, nothing else. He still has a 0.00 ERA in 2020. He is not allowed to run at all. Uh, and it, it, just, it just hasn't. It speaks to the fact that he is like a mop-up guy right now, and he's still been that good. So uh, the bullpen is very good. The only guy that didn't pitch, by the way, in terms of the straight, you know, non-long guys in the series was Grant Dayton, and he warmed up. So they were all... Uh, available and could have used them just didn't need it and Webb looked good um there was a one-out triple from Dansby in the ninth that he was straight it didn't really matter and then Shane Green pitches um for the first time in a while he was uh he got the uh, that's that's the guy I would have used as well so I was on board with that he gave, he, gave up, he gave up a double in the ninth but no other damage and the bullpen maintained its ridiculous streak also it's crazy to me and granted it was three games but the Braves managed to avoid all of their long men in the series too, like Tomlin, every pitch. single one of them, Tomlin, you know, and Wilson did not pitch, which is uh crazy. Now I'll say this. There is no possible way for the Braves to avoid using uh, a game four starter in the next series. Cause it's a best, it's a best of seven. <laughs> so we're finally going to see yep. what their plan is for a game four, but uh, we've not yet seen it. People were asking me today, like what the plan was for game four before the game started. And I said, look, man, 
I don't know. And they're not going to tell us. I mean, we know like what the options are. We know it's Enoa or Wilson and maybe Tomlin and piggybacks, but Snit's not going to announce that until he absolutely has to, nor, nor should he, by the way. So your guess is as good as mine. We'll, we'll cover that. We'll cover that more in the preview episode um, for the, for the NLCS. But uh, that was notable to me that they still have not had to reveal their plan for a game four. Yeah, I mean it's kind of it's kind of wild. The thing is though, it's, it seems pretty obviously that it's going to be a bullpen game. I mean, like oh, I yeah. guess if like Enoa like goes like through two innings and throws like fifteen pitches or something, then they might let him go for a while. But like other than that, like it just it's it's just like the, the it's almost pointless to tell say who starts the game because that gives them a little bit of a team a bit of an advantage early in a game. But ultimately, you know, that's going to be a fairly malleable thing because, you know, it's just going to kind of depend on like what the matchups are, what the lineup looks like. And if it is the Dodgers in the next round, which it's looking like it's going to be, despite the Padres best attempts last night, <laughs> uh, they, they tried, but uh, to get that one square at one, one, but the Dodgers are a little bit too much and belly made a great catch. And if it's the Dodgers, I mean, lineup wise, it's so hard to kind of predict what makes sense and what doesn't just because they can run out a lineup against righties that looks really dangerous and are, you know, and then flip it around and like, they have guys who have like appeared in all-star games that are just sitting on their bench. So, and, you know, and can play against lefties. It's just kind of, you know, it's, it's, it's tough to kind of predict exactly what the Dodgers are going to do if that's the case. And, you know, why give them any sort of an edge when they already kind of have one strategically with what their roster looks like. Yeah, I agree. Uh, again, not a huge impact thing other than not saying anything, but it's uh, just worth pointing out. Also, as we, uh, uh, sort of trend toward the stretch run of this podcast. Um, the Dodgers are leading 2 nothing over the Padres. As we record this on Thursday, they are going to play later on, so you will know potentially more than we do at this moment in time. Um, the Dodgers, though, are like 90-plus percent to win that series in the models because they are the better team and now leading 2 nothing. The Padres are better than the Marlins. They have certainly have more frisky potential. And honestly, even if for some reason you just wanted to face the Dodgers, um, which no one should want to do, you need to be rooting for the Padres because the longer the series goes, yep. that the more it taxes the Dodgers. And also, crucially, the NLCS is seven straight days with no off days. So that's going to tax any any team, including the Braves. But if the, if for some reason this gets to gets to Saturday and the Dodgers have to throw some of their big guns on Saturday, like if they, for instance, wanted to start their guy of choice, which I guess would be Kershaw on Saturday. Um, or, or, Bu- or Bueller. Or Bueller. Yeah, regardless, whoever they pitch on Saturday can't start game one on Monday. So that's the hope, if you're a Braves fan, is A, for the Padres to win the series, which is very unlikely at this point in time, but B, just win as many games as possible, put put some pressure on the Dodgers, mess up their mess up their rotation because you know Max Free will be perfectly in line and rested to pitch on Monday. And if the Dodgers are a little bit shorthanded uh, in terms of who's available, that's, uh, that's, that's a good thing. So... It's a small thing, but it's a good thing at the same time. Uh, yeah, Mon- I, I think I just said it, but Monday is when the season, uh, when the NLCS begins. We, we don't know the we don't know the time right now, nor will we for probably another day or two. Uh, no off days, as, as I said before, but it, it's Monday in Arlington. So this series was in Houston, in the uh, controversial ballpark that is in Houston. But Arlington is that brand new uh, facility that the Rangers play in, and I I don't know a whole lot about Globe Life at this point in time, frankly, but I think it'll play a little bit more even than Houston, because Houston's such a weird park. That's kind of my only thought, is like I'm I'm over the Crawford boxes, and I, I'm not a fan of Houston's layout, so uh, a little bit more normalcy, if nothing else, in, Ar- in Arlington. 
Yeah, I mean, and again, Houston is kind of one of those weird stadiums, but at the same time, like I don't think that the results are going to be appreciably different. But it's just going to kind of you don't have to like worry about any weird bounces or any sort of weirdness from the from the stadium itself. Um, you don't have to worry. <laughs> you don't have to worry about Travis Darno blowing out the back of the stadium with a home run, uh, which I kind of thought he was going to yesterday. Uh, <laughs> the, the 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 sound the sound that thing made was was hysterical. It was all, it almost sounded fake, but um, you know it's. Again, I don't know a lot about it either, um, and I don't think that the ball's going to be, like, flying appreciably. It's not like, you know, going from, like, Coors Field to, you know, a regular ballpark or anything like that. You know, we're no. talking about still in Texas. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it, I don't think it's going to favor anybody. I don't think there's anything that's particularly favorable for the, the Dodgers or for the Braves in terms of, like, you know, the stadium or anything like that. Uh, I th- The one thing is that I think they're going to try to let fans in. I yeah, they're they're, 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 they're they're selling tickets. So there there will be some fans there for sure. Yeah, so th- that that'll be a, a weird thing to see people actually run around in the seats again, um, you know. And uh, I'm expecting to see a lot of home runs because there's been a lot of home runs just hit period in this postseason. So, you know, you know, strap in and hope that the Braves can keep up with them because you know I'm expecting some balls to fly out of that park. Yeah, that's uh, that's that's well said. Okay, well. That's kind of all I have. I know it's. I mean, we're, it's celebratory. Uh, we'll go back to the beginning and just say this is the first time since 2001 the Braves have made the uh, Major League Baseball Final Four of sorts in the, NL, in the NLCS and getting there first as well and just kind of getting to prepare for this. We are going to have a podcast probably Saturday-ish, maybe as, uh, maybe as late as Sunday, but certainly this weekend sometime to full-on preview the NLCS, but we have to wait for there, for there to be an, an opponent of some sort. And if there's a game on Saturday, we can't record until after it, so... TBD on that, but please subscribe to the podcast. That's the way to get the podcast immediately when it goes up. Eric, you have any final thoughts on this other than just uh, pure unadulterated joy, which I'm sure you have? There's a lot of relief. I mean, I was in high school the last time that they got this far in the playoffs, so you know. Me too. From, yeah, in that regard, it's kind of it's kind of wild to see it actually happening. You know that they've actually made it this far. Uh, it, it again. I think this next series, if it's against the Dodgers, is a very, very tough one for the Braves. Um, I will go ahead and say this because I'm pretty sure I'm not going to be able to be on the preview podcast. I'm still going to pick the Braves in seven if it's the Dodgers. Oh, yes, uh, you are. Go full homer. Please, please go yeah, full homer yeah, right no, now. I'll, I'll, pick, I'll, I'll, I'll pick him in seven only because I think of how, of how well the Braves have been pitching. I think that they can kind of limit that, Bra- that, that Dodgers offense. And I have some like kind of questions about like the Dodgers pitching staff. I understand they've performed really well in the postseason, but like I just I don't for whatever reason, and I I'd have to really kind of dig into it why, but I just I'm not as sold on them. I guess I mean like Kershaw's getting older. I understand what he's done to the Braves in the past, but I kind of just feel like at some point like it's going to give a little bit, and you know and you know like the Braves have played against Bueller well, and then the rest of the rotation is kind of mad to me. So. I, I don't know. I just I I like what the Braves are doing right now in terms of like really good pitching and the offense, you know, did their part today. They did their part in game one as well. You know, if they can get all those things going, I honestly think this is a team that can beat any team. But that that's a really tough matchup is the Dodgers. Um and like I'm not gonna be shocked if like, you know, the Dodgers win that series or anything. I just have kind of a good feeling about the Braves in seven. Um, I think there's gonna be a lot of like close games, like you know, some like, weird bloodbaths happening, uh, like you know, where you know, like all of a sudden there's just like you know, like there's just a lot of trading back and forth, and there's gonna be a good bit of offense in that series. But 
overall, I kind of just like what the Braves are doing. So if you don't hear from me, that's that's what my pick is going to be. Uh, <laughs> I will uh, I will go ahead and say I am not picking the Braves to win the World Series. Uh, but you know, for this series, I I just like what they're gonna they're what they're doing right now and how they're playing. And you know, I'm I'm picking the Braves in seven, but you know, with the obvious caveats that I am fully aware that that is not going to be a popular pick. Eric, I have news for you. If you were going to pick the Braves against the Dodgers, pick them against anyone because the Dodgers are the best team in the league. So, I'm just saying, if you're going to pick the Dodgers, yeah, pick, pick beat the Dodgers, you got you got you got you got to go you got to go the whole way because the Dodgers are the best team in the league. So go ahead and uh, just just take I, them all the way. I'm just saying, you no, don't have to do it. I'm just pointing it out. I, I, I have now. The the caveat here is that I I don't like the matchup against the Rays. I so that's fine. But we'll get there. I get it. Yeah. So, but 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 we're not we're we're not there yet. One series at a time. I'm still absorbing the fact that the Braves have won two playoff series in the same year. But for that, my, you know, again, if you don't hear from me, that, that, that is my pick uh, that I have very low confidence in. <laughs> I will hold off on my pick. I, if it's the Dodgers, I will probably not pick the Braves, but I will hope the Braves win anyway. And Eric will have the opportunity to take the full victory lap. If that all comes to fruition uh, on a podcast very, very soon. So uh, that's it for us. On this podcast, go celebrate responsibly into the weekend, and the Braves will be back in action on Monday. Again, we'll have another podcast between now and then. We don't know who we're playing, but at that, at that point in time, we will know. Uh, follow Eric on the Twitter machine. Check out the site on Talking Chop. Also, follow me if you'd like to. Follow the site on Twitter at Talking Chop. Subscribe, and we'll see you next time.